Okay, let's see whether we can remember how this works again. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome back to the internet's finest and longest running and honestly weekly if you're a new listener, uh, although it hasn't been for a while, English language Argentine football podcast, or possibly just Argentine football podcast because there aren't very many in Spanish. If you're a new listener, um, then welcome. I suspect we might be picking up a few for this episode. If you're an old listener, then welcome as well. I'm Sam Kelly and today I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome to Panda Hud. Um, no, sorry. You've, uh, you've forgotten. It's been such a long time. What's Hand of Pod, that's yes. the one, yeah. Yeah, um, great to be back. Um, we're in my living room today, slightly earlier than normal, drinking mate like a couple of civilised, uh, Argentinized Brits. Indeed. Um, apologies, first of all, to long-term listeners. You will, might remember, you probably will remember, that before I went away, I said that we would still be trying to record maybe every couple of weeks while I was away. Yeah, that didn't happen. Basically, I was travelling. I mean, I... It, didn't end up being as easy to organise as I thought it was going to be. Um, what with the time difference and the fact I was out all day sightseeing with with uh, my girlfriend and her family and everything. Um, so sorry, but fortunately I am back for possibly the most important hand of yeah. pod episode ever. Luckily, nothing really happened in these three four weeks, right? Like, no, exactly. We're, we're kind of scrambling points. around for things yeah. to talk about. Um, we're back for this one though. Tomorrow, the. Biggest game in Argentine club football history takes place. South American club football history, I'd say. Quite possibly. So, yeah, yeah, to go up the ante a little bit. The, the biggest Libertadores final ever. Um, shouldn't be too much of an exaggeration. Even though we're not normally a podcast who like to go in for hyperbole, uh, this one does feel like it. Um, as you will no doubt all be aware, it's probably why quite a large number of you are listening to us if you've not heard us before. River Plate host Boca Juniors at... It has been confirmed as 5pm, right? Yes, no. I believe so. Because there was talk yesterday about bringing it forward to 4pm, uh, which would have been, or two days ago, which would have been very, um, very comical. <laughs> but uh, no, it is at 5pm Buenos Aires time, which is 8pm if you're in the UK. It's going to be televised there, of course, as I know, because that's where I watched the first leg. And 3pm for our US listeners, Indeed. East Coast listeners. 3pm for Eastern Standard Time Zone listeners. The other guys further west, you can work it out on your own because we don't have time for that. Yes, and hopefully if you're further east than, than the UK, you can also do the same. Um, what we are going to do, however, is first of all spend just 10 minutes or so with, essentially, Dan's going to tell me what, what's been happening in the Superliga while I've been away because I've not been paying an awful lot of attention to it. I've managed to catch a couple of games, um, but that's about it. Looking at the table at the moment, I see Racing are still top as they were when I left with a four-point gap over Atletico Tucumán. But I have noticed Defensa Justicia have got two games in hand and if they're to win both of those, they would go top themselves, in fact. so No, they would go within... Intri- they did go top. I think that's out of date because... Now they're five games behind. But wrestling have played 12 games now, so Ooh, I don't yeah, know where you've taken this, that table. Well, I've taken it from the last time you left, I think. No, it isn't. 
It shouldn't be. This is from the. This is from my phone app. No, so. Defensa Justicia have played two of their games in hand, uh-huh. and okay. they drew both of them. Right. Which means that they are now four points behind Racing, and they would go within one point if they won that outstanding game, which I believe is against uh, River. Finally, enough. Ah, because of the this weekend's final, right? Mm. No, it's the other one. The other one, yeah. Yes, yeah, the one we got called off before. So now I'm going to bring up the positions on Dan's computer rather than on my phone app, which clearly yes. isn't very up to date. And yes, you're quite right. Racing. <laughs> nearly gave me a heart attack there. So I thought we were. Four clear at Atletico Tucumán, and it's Huracan in third with a game in hand. And if they won that, then they would go second mm-hmm. um, ahead of defensive team. Well, well, ahead of. Depending on this weekend. Ahead of defensive Results, team. of course. Absolutely. This weekend, the Superliga is a little bit. Um, up in the air, there are no games on Saturday, of course, because you can't have matches at the same time. Well, security forces aren't too into it, and the AFA don't want to tread on combat balls toes too much, I would guess. Um, so there are a bunch of games on Sunday. There have been two already played. One was last Saturday. Boca beat Patronato 1-0 with what I heard was a fairly average performance, but it was, of course, largely a second-string Boca team. Um, and then on Wednesday, uh, San Martín de San Juan got a 2-0 win away to Gimnasia. A game that I think caught all of us by surprise just for the very fact it existed. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, I knew that it was happening because I was asked to write a preview of it for my Chinese paymasters, but um, that was the only reason I was aware of it. There are three games this evening which will probably either have been played or be in the course of being played by the time this goes online, although I'm going to try to get it edited quickly. Um, and a bunch of games on Sunday and a couple on Monday. We're not going to be having any mystical predictions at the end of this weekend, uh, at the end of this week's Hand of Pod, because of the fact that I'm so out of the loop. Um, but Dan, Racing, while I've been away, league leaders still looking good for it? Imperious, basically, just um, steamrolling over the rest of the league, um, looking unbeatable, really, apart from the game they lost. No, they've. Apart from that matter. Apart from that game, which was against San Martín de Tucumán, the worst team in the league, which is pretty much as Racing as you get. But overall, yeah, Racing, I don't know if they've been um, brilliant at all occasions, but they've been extremely effective. Um, They've led in every game this season, apart from one, I mean, taking the lead, uh, which was against San Lorenzo when they came back and, and won in the end with... A very good second half performance and yeah we've had uh, the good fortune of having Lisandro Lopez in fantastic form uh, obviously Chile's midfield general Marcelo Diaz has been <coughs> a revelation um, defense has been solid even the fact you had to play Javier Garcia and goal hasn't hurt Racing too much which is a bonus um, obviously the fact that uh, River and Boca have been somewhat preoccupied. Hasn't gone amiss either because they haven't really paid that much attention to Superliga. Um, yeah, we're feeling good. Um, if Racing can, can see out the rest of 2018, I believe there are three fixtures still to play. If they can negotiate those and still have a fairly healthy lead at the top of the table, everyone is going to be very happy and it means that you'll... You're going to the the last ten games of the season, which will be in 2019, obviously after the summer break, in in a very strong position. Uh, so all positive for me. Um, yeah, an honourable mention for Atletico Tucumán, who continue to win games, even though half their team 
would probably be better suited to a retirement home. Um, guys like Mercier and uh, Lucetti and Gold somehow keep doing it. I think Lucetti's already 40. Mercier is not very far off. He's either just turned 39 or about to turn 39. Um, Mauro Matos as well is no spring chicken. Pulgar Rodriguez is on the wrong side of his 30s. Uh, there's a lot of experience in that team to say the least but they keep getting results in there and they've upset quite um, quite a few decent teams uh, same can be said about Defensa Justicia you, you kind of watch the look at the guys on, on their team sheet and you think oh it's nothing special you know a lot of these kind of cast offs from uh, kind of the top five clubs and mm. guys like uh, Andres Cubas who you can probably remember from Boca he had a very brief spell in the in the Boca first team before kind of finding his level further down but they play fantastic football just really knock it about and even uh, the other day when they drew against Estudiantes it was totally one way traffic like Estudiantes just held on for absolute dear life so those guys are looking good then you've got Huracan who are a typical Alfaro side Gustavo Alfaro who is would you say he's the um, Argentina's answer to Jose Mourinho I'm not sure I'd go that far, but um, the fact that you're asking the question should give listeners an idea of uh, of his approach. Let's say, yeah, tactically, speaking. pragmatic. Let's say, if, if not personality-wise, yes. certainly not. But um, yeah, very pragmatic. He produces. Um, there is still only one team, however, who are left unbeaten, and they are defensive this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, their problem has been, as, as Dan says, they've, they've been held a few too many times, including by Estudiantes. Uh, recently, they've, they've won six but drawn five of their 11 matches so far. Um, but uh, Racing have lost one, Atletico Tucumán have lost one, Huracán have lost two. Um, and defensive this year, for all of that attacking football and, and decent play, have also got the, I'm just scanning down the league as I say this, the joint second best defence in the league, uh, along with Racing. They've both only conceded seven goals. Racing have done it in 12 games, defensive this year in 11. The only team to have conceded fewer than that is um, oh, it's River, <laughs> uh, who have conceded five goals in ten matches, um, whilst obviously being, as Dan says, preoccupied um, with this Libertadores final. Um, there are a few teams who are doing nowhere near as well. Argentinos mm. Juniors can't get off the bottom of the table. Lanús, last year's Copa Libertadores beaten finalists. Something, uh, already... in common, something in common that Lanús and Argentina... Argentina shouldn't yourself yes, this I'm, season. We're going to get onto that in a minute. I will. Um, but already, uh, when they were in the final last year, Lanús were already sort of slumping in the league a bit. And at the time, yes. we were sort of wondering. Obviously, some of it is because they're distracted by the Libertadores. But is there also an extent to which the team aren't really good enough and they're managing to lift themselves from these massive games in the Copa? Um, and it now appears that, that that is the case because they have gone through two managers, I think. Um, and one of the themes of the, oh sorry, they're on the second manager of the season. Uh, and one of the themes of the time that I have been away is managers losing their jobs. Um, the season so far has seen, I think it's nine, possibly ten, because the article I'm looking at was last updated a week ago, um, managers who've lost their jobs. And one of those <laughs> is the person who Argentinos and Lanús have in common, as Dan says. He was sacked after the third round of matches uh, from his job as Lanús. Actually, I can't remember whether he was sacked or whether he... So, yeah, he resigned, didn't he? After it's after round three, kind of a moot point, I guess. You know, that he wasn't doing well enough. And then after round twelve, <laughs> uh, he was sacked from Argentinos Juniors. Ezequiel Carboni, who has the best nickname in Argentine football because he's nicknamed Kelly for some reason. Uh, if you're a new listener, that's my last name. Um, isn't 
doesn't have the best managerial skills in Argentine football. No, if they wanted a Kelly, they'd be better off uh, looking no, at a hand of pod hosts, me, I think. Yeah. Thank you. My, my football manager CV is available if you work for uh, either Argentinos Juniors or Lanús and are looking for, <laughs> or indeed any other Argentine football club, and are looking for somebody to... Uh, Bring in. Plus, I'm English, so I make a very handy scapegoat in the eyes of most Argentine football This is true. Fans. This is true. Should anything go wrong, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to sacrifice myself for a decent payday. Were you here? In Argentine football, there might not be a decent payday because I might mm. not pay. But Were you here for the great San Martin coach swap? Um, or was that before or after just, you? Left? Just take me through it because I'm struggling to find it on this list of. of th- ah, hang on. Round six. So. Mm. Yeah, possibly, yeah. but go on, remind us. Um, I think we mentioned it at the time. So at the start of the season, Ruben Forestello was coach of San Martín de Tucumán and Walter Cochete was coach of San Martín de San Juan. Uh, in the fifth round, Forestello loses his job after a pretty bad start of the season for San Martín de Tucumán. The following round, uh, Cochete loses his job at San Martín de San Juan. What happens then? Cochetti takes up the vacant role at San Martínez Tucumán and Forestello decides to go back for what feels like the 12th time to San Martínez San Juan. And I believe in either that round or a couple of rounds later, they played each other. And credit to both coaches, they got the benches right. They didn't go and sit on the wrong bench, which is something. That's probably the only reason to watch that game, to be honest, just Indeed. to see if there'd be any sort of parent trap. I'm just looking mischief at the, about there. I'm looking at the dates because round six was played while I was still here. It was that last full weekend of September. I think we might have and mentioned round seven it. Seven was as well, so I think we must have mentioned it in passing, and I'd yeah. forgotten about it because it was such a long time ago. Yeah, but since we were on the subject, of coaches. but yeah, so those two have lost their jobs. Cristiano Ledes- Ledesma. Um, round six was a t- casualty at Tigre. In round eight, by which time I was away, Lucas Bernardi. Um, got sacked, I think, from um, Belgrano after, uh, yeah, he was sacked, um, ah, glad, after yeah. losing the Clásico against Tacheres. Claudio Biaggio is finally gone at San Lorenzo after producing, he was there for about 18 months, wasn't he, or something like that, Septem- oh, t- September 2017, it was actually only just over 12 months, but he made it seem like a lot longer, because when you watch San Lorenzo... They were not very good. I don't know whether no, they've improved very much. You'll have to tell me that, Dan. Um, no, Jorge Almiron is the new guy in in the hot seat. Of He's, to be fair to... Well, not really fair to Biagio because he didn't do anything to fix the squad. Their <laughs> squad is awful, awful, awful. And they went down um, in... I think it was Almiron's debut on the bench. Mm. Or second... No, debut, debut. Uh, to Atletico Tucumán at home in a pretty... Uh, Abject performance, so there's a lot of work to do there. And just this weekend, probably the second biggest game in Buenos Aires this weekend will be uh, San Lorenzo against Huracán. The, the second biggest by quite some distance. By quite some distance, yeah. but for San Lorenzo Huracán fans, it's going to be like copper what? Indeed. Um, I think San Lorenzo just sort of went, fell into the trap of, you know, when they, when they won the Libertadores and when they were doing well in the league a few years ago and everything, that they melded together very well what a lot of Argentine clubs are forced into by economic circumstance, which is veterans mm-hmm. and, and, and youngsters sort of coming through together and providing the, the, the older, older guys providing the wise old heads for the youngsters to, to come up and, and, and provide the legs for, as it were. And I think that San Lorenzo... It must be a constant danger in Argentine football. Um, 
perhaps just fell a little bit too far down the rabbit hole of, of thinking that that was definitely always the way to go because mm. they've allowed those same veterans to keep, in some cases, to keep going over the last few years. And those guys now, rather than being sort of 30, 31, 32, are now kind of 34, 35, 36 or whatever and, and shouldn't really be playing anymore, no. at least not at the level that San Lorenzo needed them to be playing at. No, I think that's right. And on top of that, I think in San Lorenzo you have kind of a curious situation where they're already qualified for next year's Libertadores, right? Thanks to what they did in the second half of 2017 and the first half of 2018. So this kind of second half of the year was pretty much, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We're probably not going to win the league because we're not very good, but we'll try and make it respectable at least. Maybe have a run in the Copa Argentina, the Copa Sudamericana. And yeah, um, I think San Lorenzo fans gave Biagio more patience than perhaps he merited because of that fact, but ultimately it, um, it wasn't sufficient. No. Um, and then, of course, most recently, Eduardo Dominguez um, of Colón has been sacked, and uh, Ezequiel Carboni again, um, both after the last round of matches, which of course was two weeks ago because we're just coming off a of FIFA um, weekend. Now. Indeed. Um, so yeah, Ezequiel Carboni, is he going to be able to work in the Superliga again? Uh, After two sackings, sort of, what, nine matches apart? Well, there are a lot of teams in the Superliga and everyone needs a coach at some point, so you know how, how, what this merry go round's like. He's going to be back and work before Maybe he'll go to long. Colón. Maybe, Maybe we'll go to Colón. could come to um, Argentinos Juniors. That'd be good. Who knows? Or perhaps Pablo Ledesma will go to Argentina because he played for Argentinos, right? Mm-hmm. Nice. The possibilities are literally are endless. endless. Yes, um, permutations. Absolutely, absolutely, they are. Now, what, what did we say we were going to talk about second? I think it was the semi-finals, wasn't it? We were going to go, give a brief rundown of how River and Boca got to the semi-finals, uh, the final, I believe. Um, in Boca's case, th- th- this obviously a lot of you will already be aware. You'll have looked this up on YouTube. You'll have maybe seen. Um, or heard about it from other podcasts previewing the final so we're not going to go into huge depth and particularly in Boca's case because it was fairly straightforward really for Boca I mm. was still in Buenos Aires for the first legs of the semi-finals um, so I, I think it was anyway at any rate um, Boca got a 2-0 win at home to Palmeiras I'm struggling to separate the two Brazilian um, opponents um, in the first leg in the Bombonera and then saw that through with what sounded to me um, although I wasn't able to watch it like a fairly routine um, sort of fairly comfortable 2-2 draw away from home yeah it's probably the best I've seen Boca play this year at least I'm sure it was a very very good team performance aside from a couple of wobbles you know with um, Palmeiras goals uh, even though they were never really that close because they got it to 2-1 Four, uh, three, two down on aggregate, and they still need to score two more. And but you know that can make teams a little bit jittery. But credit to Boca, they reorganised, brought on the man Benedetto, who, when Sam left the country, was basically unable to walk and probably never yeah. going to score again, just looking useless. And he was just rejuvenated by by Kelly's exit. There's there's probably no other way to say it. Three goals in in the semi final tie, one goal in in last week or the week before's final first leg and, and yeah he's probably in line to 
to start tomorrow, I would imagine. And, and props to him, and in particular, um, I hope that British listeners who don't listen all the time um, are uh, going to listen to this bit, because when I was watching the first leg of the final uh, a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was, on uh, BT Sport at my parents' place, the commentators there seemed a little bit confused, and when Benedetto scored, spent some time emphasising that Dario Benedetto's had an awful 12 months in front of goal and he's barely scored any goals, mm. so it's, um, he'll be really happy to have scored one again. And they f- didn't mention, I presume, because from the way they were talking, it appeared they hadn't noticed that he barely scored any goals because he'd barely played any matches, he's been injured since... Yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't help. Um, so it, it's even as a, a River sympathiser, um, it, it's nice to see somebody who, who had such a horrible injury come back and, and immediately slot back into the team and both the team and, and he sort of in a way looked like he'd never been away the, the, the team looked much happier to see him there obviously you know I would rather he hadn't scored for Boca <laughs> in the final first leg but um, on a personal level it's sort of it, it's nice to see that um, comeback um, yeah so yeah Boca good so Boca, their place in in the final and River River had it was a little bit more epic. Yeah. It. Um, in fact, River last season, you may remember, took a commanding lead in their semi-final against La Luz mm. in that All-Argentine semi-final before conceding very, very shortly before half-time of the second leg to make it. I think they were three-one up after Jose San scored with La Luz's first shot of the of the um, semi-final yeah. in either leg on target. Um, and Lanus then ran in another few goals to win 4-3 on aggregate. They ran in three goals in the second half of the second leg. River didn't quite manage such a dramatic turnaround, but it wasn't very far off. No, it wasn't. They lost 1-0 in the Monumental uh, to Grenio, which was their... I think it was their second defeat in a row, wasn't it? Because they'd lost in the Superliga the previous weekend after fielding all the reserves. To Estudiantes, yeah. Yeah, and that defeat to Estudiantes was the first time that they had lost any competitive game since, like, mid-February. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had that massive, which is has now been confirmed uh, since I left, as, as an all-time club unbeaten run. I think it was 33 games um, in all competitions. Um and then they went 1-0 down, and they were still 1-0 down at half-time of the second leg. So 2-0 down on aggregate against the defending champions, who simply don't lose in Porto Alegre. And then in the final quarter of the match, in the last eighth of the semi-final as a whole, something crazy happened. It did, yeah. Did Cremio score in the middle and they won an away goals, or was it 2-1 Clint? How do you mean? What was the final aggregate? It was, it was 2-2. River went through on away goals. Gremio were 1-0 up on the night and 2-0 up on aggregate. That's it, yeah, yeah. the second leg. Um, and then I oh, can't remember who scored the, um, the goal to bring the River back into it. I think it was, was uh, it Fernandes. Borre with a header. Ah, Rafael Santos Borre, yeah, nodded home from a Gonzalo Martinez free kick. Um, and then in the 85th, 86th minute, uh, Nacho Fernandes had a, a volleyed shot from the edge of the box. Bressan uh, had his hand sticking out whilst trying to block it I, I saw it replayed on quite a low resolution quality uh, on YouTube the following morning because I was in England during the game and didn't wasn't able to stay up for the game um, and, and wasn't sure about it but as it happens just before coming here to record this um, Fox Sports were replaying the match and I was able to watch the last half hour of it and see it in glorious HD on my decent sized television um, and I have to say while yeah, you could maybe say it's ball to hand. 
the, the guy is inside the box and is blocking what he clearly expects to be a shot and it has his hand stretched out Indeed. in front of him. Uh, what I thought was excessive was yeah. What I thought was excessive was the red card. But that came, I mean, he books him at first. Yeah. Um, for for the handball. Oh, was and, it a and double? Then Bresson, ah, right. so, uh, after that had to be held back by the linesman and was wrestling the linesman out of the way to get to the referee. Oh, I thought all that stuff um, happened so after I, he was. Yeah, saved. no, I think I think it was two yellow cards. The first one was for the was for the foul, and then only after the ref, only after Bresson had basically decided to try to assault the ref, did the ref get the second yellow card out? Fair enough. Um, and after a delay of 10 minutes, Gonzalo Martinez uh, scored the penalty. And the emphasis then seemed to shift from Gremio had been time-wasting for virtually the entire game and all of a sudden River started to play for time instead and Gremio yeah. got quite angry at that as well for I, the last 10 minutes of stoppage time as it was. I must say overall, after watching each semi-final, I was just really, really disappointed with the Brazilian team's sake. Hmm. I know the whole romantic ideal of Brazilian teams always playing nicely. It's obviously complete crap. They play the same sort of mean football as most Argentine teams, the most South American teams, because you know the standard just isn't very good with everyone decent playing in Europe. But yeah. even so, like so negative, so tetchy, so well, there was the same thing with Bo- I can't remember the Brazilian side who Boca played in the quarters. Was it Cruzeiro? Cruzeiro, yeah. Um, were were equally bad. Palmeiras didn't manage yeah. very much. Gremio, I think, obviously, I didn't see the second leg one until the last half hour of it, which I've seen just about an hour ago. Um, <coughs> but Gremio, on the statistics over the 180 minutes or <laughs> 195 minutes or so that they were on the pitch against River for over those two legs, mm. um, managed something like three shots on target. Yeah. You know, two of them went in, which put Gremio in what appeared yeah. to be in, and what should have been a very commanding position on aggregate. But in terms of the actual football being played although after the first leg against River Gremio's defensive uh, showing did come in for quite a lot of what I thought at the time was deserved um, praise mm-hmm. they, they, it was a very disciplined performance particularly away in the Monumental um, against a team with the attacking talent that River have Gremio had to really mm-hmm. get everything in there and they played it perfectly um, but in terms of expansive stuff that was set out to create chances and everything no absolutely nothing not so much nothing enough um, anyway that's how the clubs got to the final when I'm going to play a little bit of incidental music and when we come back we will spend some time a, a small amount of time reviewing the first leg of the final or what we can remember of it um, not too long because I suspect that most of you have watched it anyway and we will then get on to previewing tomorrow's second leg so don't go away ESPN on the television it's muted don't tap the table down that comes across on the microphone that's true that's um, it's, it's on mute and uh, they're currently advertising their preview of tomorrow's River Plate versus Boca Juniors finalissima um, which is remarkable because it's being shown by Fox Sports who at the moment although possibly not for very much longer well almost definitely not for very much longer um, are ESPN's competitors in this room I don't think the ownership thing has fully gone through just yet obviously in not very much time uh, they'll both be owned by the same company. But um, I think that this 
shows uh, the the level of the magnitude of the importance of this clash that ESPN are going to be te- uh, televising this preview uh, from 7am. In other words, they're going to be televising a 10-hour long preview of a match that they don't, in fact, have the rights to show. And moreover, that's being shown on their own biggest rivals <laughs> um, channel. It's going to be big. The first one was big as well. Boca versus Rick ended 2-2. Um, whenever a Super Classico happens, it, you're never short of people on the internet telling you the football's going to be awful. It's just they're all going to be kicking each other. There's not going to be any. It's going to be very low score, and the quality's going to be crap. As it was, once it got played, which was 24 hours, 23 hours late, um, it was a fairly decent game. Uh, the delay was inevitable. The delay was due to uh, weather conditions and. Um, it rained a lot, guys. It rained. A lot. I think basically what happened was the god quite rightly took a fundamental disagreement um, with Conmebol's decision to play the final at a weekend because that's not what the Libertadores should be and on the Sabbath yes and and, And and that as well Um, and uh, so he sent a a great storm to smite the unbelievers of South American football and to show the world as well what massive games in Argentina are like Mm mm-hmm because it reminded me of two games in particular, and the reason they sprung to mind was because I was at both of them. One was that River Boca game uh, in 2014, um, at around this time of year, which should have been rained off, but wasn't, even though it had been raining for non-stop for about 15 hours before the game, and continued to pour it down during it as well, and ended up being a complete farce. Um, that was the one when um, the young centre-back, whose name I can't remember, got sent on him to, to play at centre-forward, the last ten minutes and ended up equalising. Belenta? No, no, no. One of the other ones, um, and ended up equalising for a one-one draw for River. Uh, and the other was almost exactly a year after that, which was Argentina versus Brazil in the World, in 2015 for the 2018 World Cup qualifiers, um, which did get rained off because they obviously realised we can't play a World Cup qualifier under these conditions, and possibly due to what happened to the Super League in the previous year where they decided to play it and then everybody had pointed out to them what a dick the referee was for saying yes. I think quite rightly, in the end, um, they decided to give it 24 hours and ended up playing in good conditions yeah. and a decent game. Um, a more than decent game. Boca took the lead, you might remember, through uh, Ramon Abila with one of their first real attacks after River had largely had the better of the first 20 minutes or so yeah and um, quite an uncharacteristic mistake would you say from Armani I think he could have done a lot more at least yeah I think it was a, a good hard hit from Avila but Armani could have done perhaps a little bit more to turn it around the post um, of course not as easy to criticise Franco Armani for that as it was to criticise Boca for what happened seconds later right from the kickoff. oh they were still um, celebrating yeah. when Lucas yeah. Prato equalised uh, with, with Boca still still caught there that goal did bring about one of the um, examples of the kind of ridiculousness that you see sometimes in, in Argentine football coverage because um, I did see one fairly well respected Argentine football journalist I would say more well respected among other journalists than well respected by readers because I'm not sure how many how widely read he is here um, say that uh, you've got to ask questions of the officials there because it really looked like Prato was offside and then I saw the replay and thought no it didn't what are you talking about he runs around two men after picking up the ball um, and, and that sort of sometimes it perhaps gives you an illustration of, of how eager even very sensible people are to see conspiracy in everything in Argentine football 
uh, or South American football. Um, Boca retook the lead before the break, as Dan mentioned, with a goal from Dario Benedetto to make it 2-1. Um, but River equalised through... Carlos Izquierdos. Yes, an own goal from Izquierdos. Um, which probably wouldn't have been scored without Lucas Prato's presence mm-hmm. because it was right behind him. And if Hiskiados hadn't made contact with the ball, Prato would probably have nodded it in himself. Um, so is this Lucas Prato actually now repaying that club record fee that River spent on him in January and that he's so far failed to live up to? Well, I think if he helps deliver the Libertadores, yeah, everyone's going to say it's money well spent, right? Mm. River's most really? successful Lucas since Alario, mm. uh, who won a Libertadores with him a few years ago. Uh, 2015. A bit harsh on Martinez Cuartes. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, I <laughs> spoke a little bit quickly there. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it sets everything up beautifully for the second leg. I said immediately after the second leg, so I'm going to say it again now on hand of pod because I said it on a couple of other podcasts that I think if you held a gun to my head and made me choose, I would make River slight favourites. But yeah. there's a Rizzler paper between them at this point, I think. I'd agree with that. I thought um, that River had slightly the better of the first leg. They they played uh, better football, definitely, than, than Boca. But conversely, they were the ones that ultimately were happier with the draw because Boca, right at the end, and thanks to a barnstorming run mm. from Carlos Tevez, almost nicked it, uh, Tevez broke through the defence in a way he hasn't done for almost a decade um, laid off to um, Benedetto who was free as a bird and Armani atoned for his his earlier wobble with really a fantastic save and yeah I think everyone in Boca just hates Armani at this point right already yes and I, I'm sure they do uh, talking about goalkeepers by the way there's something I'm a little bit confused by and I'm hoping you might be able to you having been much closer to all of this and having not been on holiday for the last yes. few weeks and therefore I'm assuming you've been paying more attention um, you might remember well I, you definitely do Dan I'm sure listeners might remember that um, Boca's first choice goalkeeper Esteban Andrada had his jaw broken during the quarter final against Palmeiras and as Cruzeiro, a result the quarter sorry the quarter final against Cruzeiro thank you yeah. um, and as a result of that as a result of the fact that he was out for the rest of the Copa Boca were allowed to sign another goalkeeper, Carlos Lampe, as like an emergency signing. Mm-hmm. Um, as it happened, Lampe came in and uh, Boca's previous second-choice goalkeeper, Agustin Rossi, um, won the starters' position and, and has been starting for Boca deservedly. And I have to say, after his performances last year with the reason that Boca went and brought Andrade in, mm-hmm. he's been superb for Boca in recent weeks. He in, has. In the, in the, he really the, has. The... Uh, for what, what I managed to catch of the matches and in the first leg he, he, of the final he was really good no he's um, not a bad keeper in any case I think yeah. possibly the only way, only place he falls down a little in comparison is that he doesn't really have a great presence in the net like mm. Andrada has presence he's, yeah. he's a presence uh, yeah. Rossi doesn't quite transmit that same but sensation as, as we said when, when Andrada first got injured it was a blow to Boca because it was difficult to see them winning the Libertadores with Rossi in goal mm-hmm. obviously we were referring to the Rossi of 2016-2017 mm-hmm. um, now it looks like a very real possibility and, and I would again ignoring the fact that, that I'm a river sympathiser it, it's another you know a bit like Benedetto um, on a personal level at least it would be a sort of a, a nice story, an individual story to, to see Rossi redeem himself in this way. But, but they're talking about bringing Andrade in for the second Indeed. leg of the final. Now, what I'm not sure about is how come that's allowed? 
Um, because if they've signed Lampe on the basis that Andrade can't play the rest of the Copa, I, I, I was under the impression that would rule Andrade out for the rest of the Copa automatically. I assume because Lampe was added to their squad for the Libertadores, but Andrade wasn't taken out. I see. I would imagine. Is Lampe allowed to play in the Superliga? No. He's not? Ah, okay, so that's why then. Comebold, he was allowed to be signed and he wasn't cup-tied. Exactly. And so that when when the change between rounds happened, they were allowed to put Lampe in as an extra squad member for the semis without withdrawing Andrada. It wasn't a special dispensation to sign him after all. No, no. Okay, there we go. Thank you for clearing that up because that was something that was just... I was slightly... Slightly unclear on it. And I was also thinking, for God's sake, don't let them play Andrada... And, you know, either win or draw the game or whatever, and then only afterwards realise, oh, hang on, we weren't actually allowed to play him, because that would be the last thing that this Libertadores, of all the years Libertadores, uh, needs, with all of the nonsense around disciplinary action and matches being won off the pitch and in the in the um, offices and everything after people have put wrong players into... But into imagine if he things. does play, and then it turns out later they took him out of his squad and then River get a 3-0 walkover victory. Would I, there be an Argentina after that fact? Well... That, that's what that's what I'm saying. But obviously, if if it turns out that River have lifted the Libertadores by the time that that happens, then it won't really be an issue. But if Boca win and then but if Boca win and then have it taken away, it be, <laughs> which is precisely why I wanted to get this as relatively clear as we can now, because um, it, it just seemed, I, I couldn't when I first heard that Andrade was in with a chance, and in fact now it looks like he is going to be the starter, at least according to the newspaper you've got there on your sofa um, of starting tomorrow. I thought, no, hang on, wait. Don't do that. That would be awful. Indeed. As um, La Nación point out, it would be his second consecutive final because mm. he was also in of course it the final for Lanús. Indeed. Um, so he's a good keeper, let's say. So what are we looking at for tomorrow's game, though, in terms of likely lineups? Um, are River going to repeat the, the, the back five or back three that we saw in the first leg, which surprised a lot of people then? In fact, apparently it surprised... River as well because Javier Pinola said after that match that um, Gachado hadn't said anything to any of the players about playing a back five and they hadn't trained with it either he just yeah. told them on the day the latest indications suggest that it's likely um, it worked pretty well in the, in the first leg I thought I think certainly Boca's goals weren't really down to uh, to the river shape they were kind of like isolated you know mm. kind of broken play or set pieces so that doesn't really reflect on on uh, Gachado's strategy which I think was correct um, kind of in the general run of the game as I mentioned uh, River shaded it a little bit even in such a hostile climb as, as the Bombonera um, I'm a little bit surprised you would think that um, you know perhaps on home soil uh, Gachado would kind of stick to his his normal formation kind of go a little bit more attacking but it's tricky but as we know you know not always you know just as putting three men up front doesn't necessarily make you more attacking putting five at the back doesn't necessarily make you more defensive uh, and also it's, it's a fallacy to avoid right? it's also tricky for Gachardo to stick to his first choice uh, 11 because of course Rafael Santos Borre got himself stupidly yes. booked towards the end of and shouting at the ref Coco is out too. and Ignacio Coco um, who River have been banking on to return for the second leg and come in for Borre um, has not recovered so it uh, well what I've heard uh, or what I've, what I've read was obviously Lucas Prato is 
is going to be up front. And then it will either be Rodrigo Mora, who would normally play slightly wider um, in a slightly, maybe in a similar position, but a slightly different role, if that makes sense, to Santos Borre or Skoko, mm-hmm. um, or Gonzalo Martinez, or, Martinez, or yeah. Ignacio Fernandez playing as a second striker, uh, either of whom, of course, would be converted midfielders. Um, so it is tricky, therefore. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Gachardo says, you know, after the game that uh, he would have preferred to play with a back four, but yeah, but but that that shifting around up front means that it makes more sense. And if Pity gets a nod up front, we're probably looking at Quintero coming in, right? Kind of to give the the midfield that playmaking. Think so, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Um. So it's it's a a delicate balance, but then again, the fact that Gachado is training with the back five now, given them what happened in the first leg, might mean that that indicates that they're not going to play with one. Maybe <laughs> he's Maybe. a very very hard manager to second yeah. guess. Um, so Boca are for perhaps Boca. a little bit more predictable. Obviously, they have their own uh, forward casualty, Christian Pavon, who was injured in the first leg. Although, given that he's not been in the greatest uh, form recently for for Boca, uh, quite a few fans are seeing it maybe as a as a blessing in disguise. And that probably points to a f- kind of a conventional forward two of uh, Avila and Benedetto. Although there has been some noise about possibly giving it um, a start to Tevez as well, going for three forwards up there, going yeah. guts, you know, Which, no guts, no glory. I mean, if that happens, then it can surely only be based on on those quite actually interesting, let's say, ten to fifteen minutes that he had at the end of the first leg, mm. because he played well against Patronato as well. Did he? Give against against Patronato, mm-hmm. who <laughs> remind me where they are in the in, in the Libertadores. Remind me how, how far they go. I mean, in the Libertadores, they're about two hundred and sixty-seventh, I believe. You know, Carlos Tevez. To reiterate, I expect again that we have a fair few people who wouldn't normally listen to the pod who are listening uh, to this episode because of this preview that we're doing, and therefore maybe a lot of people who, by name recognition, um, are under the impression, especially given what some of the uh, English language newspapers and, and broadcasters have been talking about in the build-up to this final um, that Carlos Tevez is a key player for Boca at the moment um, so he, he's not just to reiterate if you see that said by people um, then they are probably people who have not watched an awful lot of Argentine football in the last year he was very poor by all accounts while he was in China during 2017 and he rejoined Boca this year and he has not been very much better mm. um, this is why they brought in Mauro Sarate at the beginning of the current domestic season, which was the middle of the current Copa Libertadores campaign. Um, is Sarate, you would, you would think, is going to be starting ahead of him right in the front three? If they go for a front three, yeah. I'm not entirely convinced, to be honest. Um, I think it will be uh, Avila and Benedetto. Benedetto and Avila, yeah. yeah. We, we, no, we, uh, on the subject of Tevez, I think the one thing we can say without reservations is that uh, the guy's a symbol of Boca. He's a leader. You know, he's, you know, he goes, um, you know, goes in front of the cameras and uh, and kind of g's up the team, motivates. Um, and I think, yeah, Tevez this season has has also belied some of the um, the preconceptions we might have had about him from earlier in his his uh, career, where you know, a guy who doesn't like to be told no, doesn't like to go to the bench, wants everything on his terms. You know. Uh, Barquilota um, has made it very clear that he's um, he's a substitute or he's a guy that's going to be playing in 
in kind of these rotated teams against the likes of Padronado, these games that aren't the copper and therefore aren't as important in Boca. And, and fair play to him, he's accepted it. He's a guy who obviously doesn't need to play another game of football in his life. He's uh, financially secure and his entire family down to the next seven generations are financially secure. So <laughs> uh, the only thing now that can keep us going is, um, is this kind of love of admiration for Boca, which is genuine and it's obviously uh, reciprocated. Uh, the fans love him and and I think we saw him at the end of the first leg as well in um, this kind of gesture at the final whistle, which I think has kind of got um, misinterpreted, if not, you know, maybe a little bit maliciously as well because uh, the Boca players were kind of trudging off. They were a little bit disappointed not to have won against, um, against River and Tevez came up and said, La cabeza en alta, la concha suave. Like, saying, hmm. yeah, keep your heads up, fuckers. Keep your heads up. And it was what they needed um, at that point. I think, you know, these things are yeah, a bit silly, but, you know, a bit cosmetic. But it shows this is a guy in tune with with Boca and he would love to take this, this trophy. So um, I do think he will have a part to play uh, tomorrow or on Saturday, depending on when this goes out. Yes, well, it will be going out uh, today, don't worry. So tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, oh, when you listen to it. Absolutely. We're going to move on to listeners' questions, I think, mm-hmm. um, unless there's any other aspect of the file that you can think of. To... No, this is the part, this would be the part that if we were an Argentine podcast, we'd talk about the referee and how he's biased towards Boca and or River, but we're not, so I can't even remember his name. I think he's Uruguayan, right? Uh, That's about what yeah, that it's not Cunha, is it? No, mm, I don't know. But uh, yeah. it's some ref who anyway. might make mistakes, but is unlikely to have any influence in the game, and probably hasn't taken money from either team either. No, indeed. Uh, the, the, while we're here, though, along those lines, uh, my favourite conspiracy theory of the ones that I've seen is that Boca are definitely going to win um, because Rivers. Um, current directorship wants an excuse to knock the Monumental down and build a new one and that would be much easier to sell to the fans if Boca were to win the Libertadores in the Monumental they wouldn't, the fans wouldn't want the Monumental to continue to stand if that were the case apparently yeah, um, sounds plausible indeed yes uh, and, and obviously this would also be great for Boca because Boca equals Mauricio Macri the president of Argentina equals the current um, government of the city of Buenos Aires as well who are from Macri's party mm-hmm. and they're trying apparently to sell a lot of the land around the Monumental so that it can be used to build flats on <laughs> anyway listeners questions Nacho Tierno says who is the best player of the Superliga so far Dan I'm going to hand this one over to you because I've been away for a fair few weeks now I may be a little biased. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your team are top of the league, so... Yeah, I think I'm justified, to be honest. Um, I think, as I said earlier, Mercier has been been fantastic for for Atletico Tucumán. Gigliotti as well has has been scoring a lot of goals, at least, for Independiente. Um, But I can't look beyond Lisandro Lopez. The most beautiful player in Argentina and also the form player at the moment. He was uh, he, he impressed me when I went to see Argentinos against Racing. Um, I mean, he, he was everywhere. There was a point that where game, he... That was another game with the pitch absolutely flooded, right? Uh, no, no, no. It, it wasn't that bad. It, it was raining that day, but yeah. not 
Tarantula. I remember it was really was, greasy. No one could keep hold of the ball. There was one yeah. point where where Martinez dropped really, really deep, like basically to the left back position to pick up a throw in from a teammate for some reason, and then slipped over whilst trying to kick it away and put it out for a throw in like Quintinos, which was quite funny. <laughs> but the fact that he was back at left back at the yeah. age of whatever it is, 33, 34, um, supposedly playing as a striker, I, th- I thought was um, was. Impressive, and, and his leadership when you're actually there and you see him in person, you see him, especially at a stadium like Argentinos, where you can virtually hear what they're yelling at each other. Yeah, essentially so on the pitch. Yeah, um, it, it was it was a sight to behold. Casey Cop says, "What will be your choice of drink for the final tomorrow?" Was it played? Uh, it kicks off at five pm. 5 so I suspect PM. it's going to be a mate. To be honest, probably mate. Yeah, I'm going to be working as well, so I probably have to keep my head clear. I might be able to sneak in a beer, but. I won't guarantee it. Indeed. Uh, Ronnie Mazumdas says, what do you reckon on Gachardo's future after the Libertadores? Is he certainly going to Europe or the national team? Um, although the latter seems highly doubtful as Scaloni seems to strengthen his position uh, with the players. Um, we're going to, by the way, go over Argentina in, in internationals probably next week mm-hmm. because I'm trying to keep the times down um, for reasons that might become apparent in the next few weeks. Exciting things are afoot in the world of Hand of Pod. So we are aware that Argentina have played some friendlies yes. recently. We might just very briefly mention them if there's time after these questions, but we're, we'll concentrate on them probably next week when Andres is hopefully back as well. Um, but anyway, uh, Ronnie's question, what do you reckon about Gachardo's future after the Libertadores? Gachardo won't be going to the national team in any shape nor form. He said very clearly that he's not interested. Um, River have said that they won't release him for the national team. I don't even know really if um, if Argentina Argentina have made a formal approach if you read the column um, written the other day by our mate uh, Cherkis Bialo he said that they never actually looked for anyone else after San Paoli left so Scaloni is is getting this job just yeah. by default he, and he's expected the decent results he's had is a bonus um, yeah Europe uh, there was some talk um, last month that Monaco might have been interested in, in taking him because obviously he has a history um, in the Principality obviously with River in the latter stages of the Libertadores he was never going to leave in the middle of that and Monaco equally obviously weren't going to wait until January yeah. uh, to get a new coach so that didn't really he's, prosper he's talked for some time about wanting to see out his current contract which runs until 2020 or 2021 2021 I think um but I, I think if River were to win the Libertadores this year, it would. I think he'd be perhaps slightly more likely to leave. If yeah. they lose, I think he'll want another shot at it. Um, if they win, then you know, two Copas Libertadores as manager, um, combined with all of his other achievements, would make him the most successful River manager of all time. Oh, and it would yeah. it would be a, a, a chance to go out on a high. Um, albeit I mean it won't be because they'll have the Club World Cup in a couple of weeks time uh, and they're not going to win that but yeah anyway I, I think it's going to depend on the result um, but I would expect him really to stay at River win or lose I, I just think that if they do win it would make it slightly more likely that he might consider going abroad um, yeah. sooner or later he will go to a big team if I was the president or chairman of a big European club I would seriously consider Gachardo because I don't think there are many better young uh, coaching prospects out there really no indeed um, and Ronnie also says prediction for Libertadores final we will address that one after everything else um, Bocca in English says Gabriel Aguero here what is your take on the build up to both Libertadores final matches 
in my opinion, I'm surprised the build-up has been mostly football talk rather than conspiracy theories going around. Um, I believe, I'm right in saying that Bokeh and English is based in New York. Um, certainly the Buenos Aires-based um, media that I have paid attention to although I haven't paid much attention, haven't exactly been short of conspiracy theories. No, um, they've just been so, talking about every single possible aspect. angle, to be yeah, honest. It's exactly. been saturation cover- coverage pretty much since Boca walked off the pitch against uh, Balmedas. Hmm. Yeah, been blanket, wall-to-wall stuff. It's pretty tiring, and, to be honest. And as a result, I think maybe it's not so much that the, conspir- the normal conspiracy theories haven't been addressed, it's more just that they've been drowned out by the volume of everything yeah. else that there is. Uh, Jamie says, my life has been worthless without you. Thank you, Jamie. It's good to be back. Now on to the serious issues. Sam, I would love to hear an overview slash summary of your top examples of mainstream media taking an interest in the Super Classico final but actually knowing nothing about Argentine football. Um, oh, we mentioned a few earlier, just, you know, commentating I, slip-ups. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I responded to him saying, are you asking this because of the fact I've been in Europe for the last few weeks because I've been on holiday. So other than watching the first leg on British TV, I haven't been paying any attention. And Jamie replies, sort of, um, more so the fact that around the time of the first leg, he tweets about blatant misinformation from the European media. I can't remember that. Well, there was one I remember was brought to my attention uh, from The Guardian's uh, live commentary blog, which basically oh, implied that, uh, yeah, that, no, that Rossi was, um, was the better keeper and that was the reason that uh, oh, River yeah. weren't seven 0 ahead. And yeah, and that he same was a better keeper. That, yeah, the same bloke thought it was an absolutely dreadful match as well. That was really boring. And, and that Tevez was um, the man who could turn it all around and, and save the the dreariness. But no, other than that, I mean, I, what I did tweet about during the first leg was was the as I said the commentating slip ups. The other one, apart from the one I mentioned earlier, was uh, about the Benedetto's goal record. Um, was that the BT commentators didn't seem to realise that uh, the bloke on the river bench directing River's players wasn't Marcelo Gachardo. Uh, there were also a couple of like fairly dodgy uh, team news articles that came out uh, by copy and paste in the last um, Super League outings of each side, which oh. were completely wrong. Oh dear. And uh, Tom- sites, you know, I won't name any names, but there were sites that really should know better. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I remember you tweeting about those now, actually, because I was on I was sort of on Twitter at times on my phone during the holiday. Uh, Tom Robinson says, "Can anything stop the Racing steamroller? And how will Central contrive to bottle another Copa Argentina final?" Yes, Rosario Central are in the Copa Argentina final yet again. Uh, Dan, can anything stop the Racing steamroller? I would guess Racing themselves is probably the best answer. Racing themselves, um, and the fact that we have a an ex central coach is, you know, it's kind of <laughs> just building up this um, this fear of falling away at the, the final hurdle. But no, Frasin keeps showing the same consistency, grinding out these results. Uh, it should be in the bag, right? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Cover. I'm, I'm just We're looking good for now, that's all I'm going to say. But it's staying in, I'm afraid. But I'm just, oh, that's last season. Let me check Racing's fixtures so far this season. I just want to see. It's been a still mixed bag. Play. Yeah, um, there's um, trips to River and Independiente, which aren't going to be particularly right. easy. But then we still got to play Tigre. We still got to play um, San Martín de San Juan. Defensive Spicy on the last day, which could be interesting. Independiente away. Uh, you've got Godoy Cruz out, but Godoy Cruz at home is a bit easier yeah. than Godoy Cruz away would be. River away as well. Um, they have a few fixtures, sort of interesting-looking fixtures coming up. Then um, still to play in the last third-ish of the season. 
Um, and I would say that, that's, that those ones are going to be big for them. But, I mean, at the moment, they're looking well-placed. Central, I don't think they, they do bottle Copa Argentina finals as such. They've just been quite unfortunate. They've been, been very unlucky. Against, yeah. Is it one against Boca and two against River or something? I mean, they haven't been favourites in any of the ones no, they've been and in. the game against Boca was... Was outrageous. The, oh, that one, yeah, that, there was that terrible refereeing decision in that one. So, I, I, a, a little harsh to say they bottle it, maybe. Um, Nate Kubeta says, Alleluia, just in time for the second leg. Yep, it's as if I'd planned it, isn't it? I, I didn't, but uh, it's as if I had done. And then he says, With all the high profile disciplinary decisions with Connebol in this Libertadores campaign, could changes be coming, or is this an insanely naive question? Um, I don't. I'm no. sure that there will be some talk about how to better refine Comet or whatever, which has caused so many of these wrong um, selection uh, fusses. But um, we'll have to wait and see in, in December, January, really, I think, before we can answer that one. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, Welcome back, gents. Was it a good holiday, Sam? It was, thank you. Yes. Um, and Liam says, What's the feeling ahead of tomorrow? Are River more afraid of losing than intent on winning? Will they stick with a back three or five like the first leg? We've sort of addressed that one already. Um, can we see it being... A, Liam can see it being a tense and nervy game and we'll be watching with nerves and anticipation. So the feeling ahead of tomorrow, are River afraid, more afraid of losing than intent on winning? I think that both teams Both teams are, I mean, are afraid th- of losing. Yeah. There's always that um, feeling around Super Classicos and certainly this one is one where neither of them want to lose. I think that the first leg was perhaps a little bit less violent than we're used to at times from Super Classicos mm-hmm. because of the fact there were so many players who were one yellow card away from a suspension for the second leg. Mm-hmm. Rafael Santos Borre, as I said, eventually picked one up for the stupidest thing imaginable, just for swearing at the referee when the referee turned his back on him, mm-hmm. um, which is completely idiotic. But everybody else was sort of on their best behaviour. It wouldn't surprise me, actually, if tomorrow's game is not enormously violent either. At least until the final few minutes. Yeah. Recent Super Classicos generally speaking, have tended to be better football matches than we have come to expect from the yeah. Super Classico. On the first point, I would venture that um, defeat would hurt Boca more than River. Even though it's going to hurt both teams a lot, it's, it would be devastating for... It's a River Stadium. Yeah, but Boca haven't won the Libertadores since 2007. Mm-hmm. That's, we'll be getting on for, for yeah, 12, 13 years if they don't do it this year. Um, Boca need this... Badly. Okay, interesting take. And the final question is from Sivan John, who says, Winning the Copa Libertadores could open up a new avenue for some of these players. Who do you reckon will leave for Europe or anywhere else during the January transfer window? There are two players who we already know are leaving, yes. or who haven't yet been... Com- it's not sort of 110% confirmed by all parties, but it's very, very widely understood that they'll be going... Um, Gonzalo Martinez is off to Atlanta United mm-hmm. probably to end up replacing Miguel Almiron who looks like he's off to Europe so it, which is interesting because when Almiron and then later when Ezequiel Barco joined Atlanta United I said this is a really interesting way for MLS to go acting as like a finishing school and, and buying products from South America and then selling them to Europe it's a very interesting thing for MLS and for Atlanta to be doing and that would be the first stage of this mm-hmm. what, uh, an MLS player actually moving to a big European, a potentially big European club, as some of the reports are to be believed, um, and being replaced by another promising Argentine, albeit one who's not quite as young as, as Babco and Almiron were when they went. Don't stop doing that. I was getting dust off the table. <laughs> um, and the other is another River midfielder, Ezequiel Palacios, who is not expected to go via MLS, uh, but who reports at the moment are suggesting is going to be going for 
what is for Argentina massive money to Real Madrid, which maybe not the best club to sign for in terms of his personal and professional development as a player. No, uh, but probably the best to sign for in terms of his bank account. Yeah. Um, so those I'm are two River players who win, lose or draw. Well, there's not going to be a draw, are there? Do win <laughs> or lose. Um, will be moving on. Uh, any others? Christian Pavon. Pavon's been linked a lot to a move away. Um, Wilma Barrios as well uh, has been linked to a few European clubs along the line. Um, let's think who else. Uh, you think that at some point uh, Olasa, Lucas Olasa, will be moving to Europe because he's mm-hmm. a very good young left back. Probably not right now because he's only been at, at Boca six months, but that will probably go down the line. Yeah, um, Avila to, to replace Luis Suarez at Barcelona. <laughs> you had <it>. Stranger <laughs> things have happened, or have they? Um, <laughs> indeed, uh, it's going to be a huge shot window for any for all of the players involved. Obviously, um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. But I suspect, I mean, European clubs scout these guys for a long time. Uh, even the ones that they sign for, for at a young age have already been scouted for for quite some time and in quite some depth. Um, so nobody's going to be signing anybody on the basis of how they perform on Saturday. No, but it won't hurt their chances. Either. No, of course it won't. No, and, and it is also it's a, a really clutch game. So it's going to some scouts will be looking at it and thinking, well, this is going to teach us something about how this kid performs in big matches, for example. Yeah, you won't get much more pressure than this. No, if you want that as a gauge, certainly not. Uh, it's going to be fun. Let's go back to Ronnie's first question then to wrap up or second question. Sorry, um, predictions. I think it will finish. 1-0 mm-hmm. after extra time and River are going to win on penalties Oof. that's bold I, I'm going to as, as I said already I mean I, I can't go back on what I've said can I if, I, I don't really want to predict anything but if you held a gun to my head I'm, I'm gonna not go by for, the way I, I'm going to go for a a high scoring game um, whether it's going to be a win or a draw I'm not sure but uh, I'll go for over two and a half goals if you're into your betting after the way the first leg went Mm, um, that is bold as well. I, th- I think it's going to end up being a little, bo- a little more open. That, yeah. that, that's why. The I first, it's going to be more goal close, is, to be honest. The first goal is going to open everything up because then it's just gonna, for, the, for the team who go behind. It, it's it's going to be. Shit, yeah. There's no way that you can accept an arrow defeat in this one. The first leg that was maybe if Prato hadn't equalised within literally seconds, mm. River might have fallen in if they'd gone in at half time one goal down. Oh, they did go in at half-time one goal down, didn't they? But you know what I mean? If, if they'd gone yes. into the latter stages and they were still 1-0 down, they might have thought, well, we've got the second leg at home. Mm-hmm. It's not over yet. Whereas for Saturday's game, it is going to be over yet. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's it. If you lose, then you're out. Um, so I think it's going to be over 2.5 goals. And I will, as I already said, I'm going to go for River to end up lifting the trophy. But by the narrowest of margins, I, I, I don't think it doesn't surprise me at all if Bocchi end up winning it. Um, I think that the time has come to say thank you for listening as I said could I add one little plug on the end you can for those of you who like the podcast but think why don't they talk about Racing enough I would really (laughs) like to hear more about Racing you're lucky there is also an English language podcast solely dedicated to Argentina's best club Um, Racing Club UK I believe that is the Twitter handle. Uh, is doing a fairly regular podcast. I think the guys are doing it every week now, and I pitch up whenever I can. Uh, Darren, Nacho, Seba, who of course has handled pod history as well. They're very nice guys. They know a lot about racing, so keep 
keep an eye out on that. Uh, follow their Twitter, which I hope I've just got right, and listen up for their podcast. Indeed. And also, while we're here, it's just occurred to me, I haven't uh, plugged the Patreon page. If you have liked what you've heard on this first ever episode that you've listened to of Hand of Pod, um, then please continue to listen and go and give us some money. And if you've been listening for some time and you're wondering and you've been thinking about it and umming and ahhing a bit, then also please go and give us some money. If you sign in at $5 per month, um, then you will get two extra little episodes, one of which we're about to record now. Um, uh, after all the main episodes, we record a five to ten minute extra, and the other of which is recorded by me on Sunday evening, addressing the big issues of the weekend. I suspect that this weekend you might get two extras recorded by me, because I'm, I can't really wait until Sunday evening to cover the main points of Saturday's Super Classico, can I? And then I'll wait on Sunday evening and try and cover the Super League a little bit as well. Or possibly Monday. That might make more sense, give it a two-day rest, because uh, there are a few games on Monday. Um, but you get extra stuff, basically, if you sign up and give us some money. And it means that I am able to give some money to Dan and to Andres and to anybody else who comes and joins us for Hand of Pod recordings who have been doing it for free for eight years now, because our eighth anniversary was ten days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was away, but uh, Dan was on that very first episode. So, Dan, while we're here, thank you very much yeah, for being involved. And we were so young. If you've been listening since episode one, thank you very much indeed as well uh, for sticking with us for such a long time. The Patreon page is Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N for the few of you, I suspect, who haven't heard of Patreon before. Dot com slash hand of pod. It's very easy to remember. Um, for now, thank you for listening uh, and, and for uh, joining us in, in this uh, journey. And um, goodbye from English Dan. Thank you and farewell. And from me, goodbye and enjoy the match if you're going to be watching it as well. (laughs) 